Hi, welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen today, you are blessed and encouraged. Thank you so much for listening in. If you want any more information about our ministry, we'd love you to jump onto our website, harvestaustralia.org. Have a great day. Wow. You know, after praying for politicians and stuff like that, you go, ah, I've got to get up and talk now. <laughs> Marty, you set the bar. Oh, actually, before I get going, Marty and Karen, can I just speak over you, please? So I hear the Lord saying to you, I'm about to release a Solomon anointing. The Lord said, oh. He says in the, in the last part of First Chronicles, the father, David, couldn't do, build the temple. He was stopped. And then Solomon, in, first, in Second Chronicles, the first chapter of that, Solomon was given the anointing to build the temple. But when Solomon spoke, or God spoke to Solomon, he said, Solomon, what is it you want of me? And Solomon said, Father, will you give me wisdom and understanding? so that I can righteously govern your people. It was a so that, it's a clause thing. And I feel that for the two of you, that there's a Solomon anointing coming on you. The same Solomon anointing that allowed the building of the temple. The same Solomon anointing that allowed to righteously govern. The same Solomon anointing of wisdom and understanding that would come over you that you can deal with things in a different way. The people from all over the nation will come and seek wisdom and knowledge from you. They will sit at your feet and ask questions. That the storehouse would be filled to overflowing. The storehouse is a place that provides it for the needs of those less fortunate. The Lord's saying the Solomon anointing is coming upon you. And he's releasing the things for you to do what you need to do. This church is amazing. Suzanne, a couple of weeks ago when Jane and I first walked in here, we were welcomed by you. This is this, I'll try here. This amazing big smile, it's joy. But that comes from the first thing is you walk in as a welcome. The welcome team, the last week I was just walking up and somebody says, oh, are you new here? Right? And it was a great big smile and I said, well, I could be new. And then Karen, <laughs> then Karen prayed and, you know, that's changed our world a little as well. So, yeah. Okay, we're going to get started, maybe. So, actually, you guys need to pray for your leaders. They're an awesome couple. Um, the, uh, we, we have the privilege right now of actually staying in the Garden of Eden. <laughs> well, you all know that they've got a wellness retreat, and it's like when you go out in the garden and have chats with God and bit, feel a bit like Adam. <sighs> I'm not looking for apples. Uh, where are we going to go, God? I think it's probably only fair that you get to know a little bit about Jane and I before we start on, on what we're doing and why we do things. So, um, oh, and sorry, I should welcome my parents here. My mum and dad have come along, and which I'm I'm very honoured to be able to speak in front of them and. Uh, and you know that I can't tell any lies because <laughs> they'll hold me accountable. Uh, so, so for the past 30 years, a bit, bit over 30 years, Jane and I have run some very successful businesses well, and the occasional not so successful business. And we were, uh, I was sitting with some marketing people because we wanted to, well they said we needed to help build our brand, whatever that means. And uh, so we're sitting with them, they're well-meaning and well-intentioned and they're, they're, they're working through some stuff with us. 
you know, and they're trying to fit me into a box, you know, that, you know, it's a, a prophet or a whatever, and whatever it was they were trying to do. Now, for those people who know me, I don't even know what a box is. <laughs> I, I, I live in a different place from that. And uh, so, it, but it was at that time as they're trying to do that, that I had a bit of an aha moment. And the aha moment was, I'm not a certain name. I, I, I don't have to fit a mould. I don't have to be like others. That I'm individual, that I was created for a specific purpose. I was created to do something I needed to be able to do. Right? I'm not a Heidi Baker. Whoa! I'm not a Leif Hetland. Papa! You know, I'm not a Bill Johnson. Let me tell you another joke. Right? And I didn't need to be that. Or a Dave Wagner with great words of knowledge and wisdom for people. But I needed to be me, and you need to be you. I needed to be the me God was calling me to be, and you need to be the you that God is calling you to be, because you have a purpose, you have a destiny, and there's people's lives counting on you doing what you're meant to do. All right? So a bit of history. I grew up in a small coastal town called Queenscliff. My parents owned a very successful hotel, uh, traded very well, but I worked for the opposition. They paid better. <laughs> if any of you've worked for your parents, seriously, it's like indentured slavery. <laughs> so I worked, worked for the opposition and there I learned how to carry people's bags. I learned how to serve at tables. I learned how to cook at tables, learned how to do dishes, serve in the bar, do other things. <laughs> this is when I'm 14. Now, you're not really meant to serve in a bar when you're 14, but let's not let that get in the way. But a funny thing happened when I was 14, because we actually didn't have a faith background in our family on, on either side. But at 14, there was a girl I was trying to go out with, and she said, well, if you want to go out with me, you've got to come to church. Yeah, good word. I, th I thought, well, how hard can that really be? So I went to church in a place called Leopold. And this church was a CRC church. So it's 1978, middle of the Jesus movement, peop loud music, people swinging off chandeliers, you know, crazy place. Any of you that are old CRC, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You know, I get in and I think... I'm walking into a cult. Because I don't have a frame of reference. I, I, I hadn't been working into a cult. And then the next thought was, hang on, is this an adults-only version? They're going to take me as a sex slave. <laughs> True, that was my thoughts, because I had no frame of reference. I don't know whether that was good or bad, but that was, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. And um, I'm about eight feet inside this building going, what the heck is happening? And uh, I hear this, you will build businesses that will change the world and bring many to me. I was scared before, <laughs> and then I get to hear that. And it's like, well, what do you do at 14 when you're a little bit freaked out? You run. I did, I, and I ran from the pursuit of God. It took another 13 years before I got to know Jesus as my personal Lord and Saviour. And we'll leave that story for another time. So we, you've got that in your head that you're going to run businesses. Don't know why. And so we went through. I continued working at the hotel. Then I ran other people's hotels for them. Jane and I have run bed and breakfasts. We've run um, award-winning restaurants, had fish and chip shops, ice cream places, French bakehouses. There's a lot of food in here, isn't there? You know, <laughs> French bakehouses. We've, we've uh, built and renovated houses. We've been involved in the finance sector. We've been involved in manufacturing. We built a very large tech company that uh, we grew to number one in, in, in the industry. Um, we've fought human trafficking by running manufacturing businesses. Jane started um, a, a foundation many years ago 
fighting human trafficking before it became very popular. And, you know, another, don't go there, Hugh, don't go, don't, no, down that rabbit hole. So we've done a whole bunch of different things around the world. We've got, and uh, there's a couple of others I won't mention yet, we'll get to those. So we've done a whole heap of different things. We've had the privilege of traveling to 106 nations. We've eaten with <laughs> food again. <laughs> We've eaten with, who knows food's a love language? Yeah. yeah. Huh? I can, yeah. We've eaten with prime ministers, politicians, leaders of nations. And we've dined with the poorest of the poor in many nations where you've sat around some sort of wood stove and they've put some sort of food and it's all that they've got. We've given, been given a hand up by those that I would consider the most needy in the world. We've been applauded, cheered on, ridiculed and laughed at. Often for the same thing, often at the same time. And I've learnt that it's all about perspective and how you're going to look at things. We know that uh, the world that we live in now is rapidly changing as Marty so eloquently put up here. It is the time right now to do something about that. It's not going to be a year's time. It is right now. And we know that <laughs> it's, it's an amazing journey that we can all be on, but we've all got a part to play. Now, some of you are wondering, what are those things that he's carrying around? What is he doing? Well, let me tell you a story. A few years ago, Jane and I were heading out to Cambodia. Now, in Cambodia, we uh, was where we centred our fight for human trafficking. And you've got to be careful. Sometimes in flying into America, they say, well, what do you do? And once I said, well, I'm in human trafficking, and I got marched off. <laughs> Sometimes. Actually, my, my wife, Jane, and I, we, we, we travel together a lot, but I was a... A couple of years ago, I was a little bit worried about a bit of Jane's health. I, she was losing her hearing. And I went to the doctor, a friend of mine, I said, well, how do I approach this? What do I do? And he gave me a few remedies and suggestions. So I, I came home and uh, Jane was doing the, the dishes over there. And he said, stand about 10 metres from her and say, call her name. So I did. I said, Jane, no answer. And I got a couple of metres closer and I said, Jane, no answer. Got a couple of metres closer and said, Jane, no answer. I got a couple of metres closer and I went, Jane, no answer. And I got right up behind her and said, Jane, she turns around and said, for the fifth time, what? <laughs> And when we're talking today, it might just be the fifth time that God's speaking to you, that you need to be hearing something. So we were going to Cambodia and uh, we're about to go to the airport. We live about 50 minutes from the airport. We had about an hour and a half to our flight, so we're pretty close. And uh, no, it's a bit longer than that. And uh, a friend of ours, Gary Morgan, rings and he lives about 15 minutes and he said, have you guys left yet? I said, no. Nope said, good. I was in the shower praying for you and I thought, no, what? No, too much information, Gary. <laughs> like, not a picture I need in my head whilst I'm about to do an eight-hour flight. Anyway, he said, uh, I I've got something I need to give you. Well, you better hurry. So he drove over. We're packed, ready to go. He gets there and he pulls these great big keys out. And he said, these were given to me by Bob Jones. He said, but the Lord said, I need to give them to you and Jane. And you need to carry them wherever you go in the world. But these are keys to the kingdom. Don't let me talk about them. This big one, there's three keys there. These are keys to the economy and finance. Now, who knows that the economy 
is not just about money. A kingdom economy is about the way we live our lives. Right? So this is a key to an economy. The next one to it, the very ornate, pretty one, is keys to relationships and reconciliation. Right? And this next one, there, is the keys, keys to the mind, metanoia, and the unlocking of the mind. So as I hold these keys today, and we talk, we're just going to go on a bit of a journey with God. We're going to use these keys to unlock some things for you. We're going to unlock them, and as it says in Isaiah 22, 22, what is unlocked will never be locked, and what is locked will not be unlocked. So we're going to unlock some things for you, if that's okay. But whilst we're, we're doing that, if you feel the need that you need to... During worship, oh, you worship people, you are awesome today, wherever you all are. You were great. That was just... But I felt that there's a... I know you call it the river or whatever, but in here there is a soaking time too. So whilst we're chatting, if you feel you need to come and get a bit more of what, what, what's there, just feel free to do that. I may come down and pray for you, I may not, because it's not about me, it is about him. Yeah. All right? So we're gonna, we should make this uh, sort of legal, shouldn't we? And open the Bible, because that's what we're here for. We've got that far. All right, so Isaiah 58.8. Let's start there. You know, there's a challenge with getting old. You can't read it anymore. This is why they get youth to do things, because, you know, if, if you printed the Bible in words and letters that I could read now, I'd need eight people to carry it. <laughs> 58... Uh, 58.12, sorry. And it says... Oh, look at that. It's up there. I can read that. That's good. It says, Your people will build the ancient ruins and will be raised up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets within dwellings. That is a call to us. That we... The people of God. If you look at the the whole story of Isaiah, he had influence with kings. He had influence with some unrighteous kings and righteous kings. But when he is talking there, he's saying, we are to be the rebuilders. When I say we, that means me and you. We're meant to be rebuilders of broken cities rebuilders of broken places to live, rebuilders of broken things. So that is the context that I'm going to talk over the next things of of what we're going to share together. Now, John 14, 12. Didn't go, oh, there it is, good, thank you. I can throw those glasses away. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works and even greater than I have been doing. And they will do you know, greater things. Which verse are you on? That's, I'll read mine. <laughs> Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I will do he will also do. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Now we know that this is in context that Jesus was speaking to the disciples. He was speaking to the disciples that they will do greater things. Now just read that again a couple of times and let that permeate in your head. Let me read it out loud. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. I think it's one of the most crucial verses in the Bible right now for this time. That's my keys talking. We're just unlocking a few things. It's okay. I know, I've got to have them in that hand, but I can't put my glasses on. Now I want you to get a couple of key points that we have here. 
we are to be known more by what we do than what we say. It is no good saying, well, it is good, but we need to be doing as well as just talking. Right? If we go and we're praying, but we're not being active, we're missing part of the picture. We need to be working in part of it. But see, the interesting thing is, what Jesus has said there is about supernatural. Because he said you're going to be doing greater things. Now, what are some of the greater things that Jesus did? What are some of the things Jesus did? Come on, this is interactive part. This is, this is, Marty, do these guys read a Bible or, you know, just, just checking, right? What are some of the things that Jesus did? Healed the sick. Raise the dead, cleanse lepers, or the unvaccinated. I didn't say that. What else did he do? Fed the hungry, shared stories. He turned with that. He turned water into wine. Now that's a good miracle. Here we go again. This was the supernatural, right? He did the supernatural. See, if, if God doesn't need us, but he chooses to partner with us to accomplish what he wants to accomplish on earth, and he says he wants us to partner in the supernatural. Greater works than what Jesus did. Greater works that we're meant. If if we could do it without God, He wouldn't ask. He wouldn't have had this verse in there. He's asking us to do more, to combine and be more. Now, if I'm honest about that, I've fallen a long way short. I've fallen short of being able to do the greater things. I've fallen short of being able to. Um, see that. Why? Oh God. Don't you know who I am, God? I'm just a guy that set up a business and did some things there. Don't, don't you know that I can't do that? I don't know if any of you feel that way. I'm, I'm only me. Who gives me the right to pray for the sick, feed the hungry, do greater things? This is me. I'm not talking about you. Right, you guys have probably got it all worked out. I, 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 I haven't. Because God's asking us to go somewhere that we haven't gone before. He's asking us to go into a different level and a different relationship with him. He's asking us to draw on the things that he has for us, not on the things that we have. It's a totally different way of looking at it. Right? Imagine what Moses would have, looked like, would, would have felt like. Right? You have got an army behind you. You've got water in front of you. You've got mountains on that side. And you've got valleys on that going, what do I do? And God says, lift up the staff and watch the water thing. So he's sitting there going, this better be you, God, because we're about to die. <laughs> and he would go, lift it up. And the water went, now, if it had been me, I'd go, well, let's try that again. Down, <laughs> up, down. How far are they? A few more times. Right? You, well, you would, right? You, if you had that thing, you'd, you'd have to have a go. Right? Or maybe that's an, an, an Aussie thing. Um, <laughs> oh, be serious here. You know, as Christians... We're wasting our time when we're pointing out how dark things are. Because we need to be speaking about the hope that we have in Jesus. We need to be speaking about the hope and the truth and the supernatural power. Because speaking of, we've got a world that needs hope right now more than ever before. We've got a world that needs the hope that we can bring into a nation. The hope, the joy, the love that we can bring by doing supernatural by doing and expecting the changes that things would happen. Oh, Jane, it's 11.11 again. Just... 
greater works. He wants us to do greater works. But see, be careful on that, because if, we, if we're not careful, we miss the part that he says. He says, because I go to the Father. I read that verse a lot of times and I thought, this is about me. I've got to do greater things and I didn't feel that I was able to. But Jesus says it's not about me, but it is about him. He said, you will do greater things because I go to the Father. So it's an invitation in to something supernatural, something extraordinary, something phenomenal. And, you know, I can probably buy into that sort of partnership. Okay, you're with me on this, Jesus? Well, we're going to step out and we're going to see some crazy things. We've been with Heidi Baker in, in, in Mozambique and you see blind eyes open, you see the deaf. Well, you don't see the deaf here, but... <laughs> you, you see the response when they hear, the response when ears pop and they go, oh, wow. You know, we've experienced that in Ethiopia and other, other parts of the world. We've seen limbs grow back. That's weird. But it's supernatural. It's what the lives we're meant to live. We're meant to be the ones bringing hope. We're meant to be the ones bringing joy. God wants us to tie in with our supernatural. You know, if we can get this and get this into our inner man, this is when we're going to start walking in our destiny. And when each of you walk into your destiny, when I walk into my destiny, my life's changed and those people around me have changed. When you walk into your destiny, your life changes. See, that was one of those keys. I'm not touching them. <laughs> Nobody's come up yet to get... It's there, there's an open floor there. Why are we meant to do greater works than Jesus did? I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but I think that like any father, we want our kids to be better than we were. We want our kids to have the best example. We want our kids to shine. And that's what our Father in Heaven wants. He wants to see you all shine. He wants to see you do greater things. Hmm. So, so that we understand what actually happened there, we know that when Adam fell, there was a separation in the spiritual realm. And then God sent Jesus to be born through a virgin to live on this earth. Now Jesus lived on this earth for 33 years. In actual fact, Jesus was the first millennial. He stayed at home till he was 30, <laughs> paid no bills, <laughs> think about it. First millennial, gave us a great example to follow. But Jesus made a way by dying on the cross, not only to forgive us for our sins, but to reconnect us back with the supernatural authority with God. So in his death, we get to be back to being those supernatural beings we were always purposed to be, to see the great stuff happening. Now, Back to John 14, 12. Even greater works than these. We're actually to become instruments, united flesh and spirit, to do God's work. We're meant to do God's work. It's in in intimacy with Jesus that we're meant to do it. Now, the restoration that God has given us through our Son is there for us to do better. But, you know, What is not possible to do naturally, God is calling us to do supernaturally. He's calling us into this place of doing something totally different. 
we were at dinner last night and uh, a lady, one of the people we were at dinner with, had said she wears hearing aids. But two weeks ago I called out a prayer for hearing and she said I felt a bit embarrassed I didn't come forward. So in the middle of dinner we just stopped and prayed for her, expecting her to get healed. Now I'm waiting for a text for that to come through. But when was the last time you were at a restaurant that you just stopped and prayed for someone? You know, as Christians, we'll go to a restaurant and we'll eat, right? And you've got servers there and you'll sit there and you'll pray for your meal. But what would it look like if you did this? Your servers there and say, well, we're about to pray and bless our meal. But is there anything you need prayer for? What would it look like if you actually took what happens in here outside there? What would it look like? If you said you were, you know, you're at the supermarket and the supermarket and you're at the checkout and they have the, the girl, boy, whoever is serving isn't having a great day and you say, well, can I pray for you? Oh, I've got a bit of a headache. Great. Can I pray for you? Because we're meant to do the supernatural. What would it look like if you heard that somebody was in distress financially and they didn't have enough food for you not only to drop off a food basket for them but to actually cook some meals. I know that sounds a bit different but there's a bit more of you in that because you've spent some time. What would it look like if you were at the petrol station and you saw a single mum, a couple of kids in the car, but she can't afford to put petrol in and you fill the tank up. What would it look like to be the practical outworking of what God wants us to do? Yeah, I'm a, they say, a business guy. No. I'm about the father's business. Jesus said he was about the Father's business and that was an outworking. Oh, one of the other things I did, I wrote a book. Well, God wrote the book. I just got to pen it. <laughs> well, actually, I didn't even get to pen it. I got a, somebody to interview me because my brain runs a little bit differently. You might have sort of gathered that already. The book's called Take Your Framework and Stick It Up Your Pipeline. <laughs> right? Right? That's what it says. Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's called A New Normal. And we published that book in December 2019. And then something happened that required us to have a new normal. It's a prophetic book. Yes, there's some business stories in it. But guys, there's more to it than that. Um, there are some copies there. I don't know. Do something with that. We'll work that out later. That's a detail. I'm not much into details. God wants us to be more than we are today. Love, the word love, it's bandied around. Love does not mean accepting of everybody's attitude, belief, etc. Love does mean righteousness. If you love somebody the way the Bible says to love them, that's true love. We're called to make the place, the world, a better place. We're called to activate things in others. We are called to do greater works than these. There is so much more for us to do. Right? We are called to do that. Oh, there's a weight in this room. Let me share a story with you. Um, I was flying to Dubai to do a leadership um, workshop with the NCMI churches in Dubai. We arrived in the into Dubai, so you know, nice 15-hour flight from Melbourne, that's good, get off the plane, get picked up in a four-wheel drive, 
And we knew that we were going out to a retreat, but Dubai has all these wonderful buildings, and then 10 minutes out, you have sand. So we're driving, and there's sand. And we keep driving, and there's sand. We're about two hours, and all you've got is sand on both sides. Fortunately, I know the sun rises in the east, sets in the west. That's the only bearing that I have, because everything else is sand and looks the same. And then even then, after 15 hours of flying, I wasn't sure which way the sun was going anyway. <laughs> but So sand, 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 sand. Then you, you come around another sand heap, and there's an oasis. There's this place, and there's palm trees, and buildings, and water, and swimming pool. You know, just a bit like out of the movies. You sort of go, how did that get there? Anyway, apparently it was a natural spring, and they built this resort around it. So uh, it was actually Gary Morgan and I doing that trip. And Gary was the main speaker and I just carried his baggage or something. And uh, we get there, we're introduced and we talk and um, we do the, the first night session. So we've arrived, done the first night session and uh, they'd mucked up the accommodation. So I got to share a room with a guy called Francois. Had never met Francois before. And I'm okay, fine with that. So we have two single beds in the room. Go to bed, and about two o'clock in the morning, I hear bang, bang, and I'm awake, very much awake, going, yeah. And I went and knocked the door and looked at the little, little holy thing, and there's this huge, big, massive, blonde-haired giant with things out of its shoulder. And all I can hear is this. And I retreat back into the room, thinking I should wake Francois. <laughs> then I thought, he doesn't even know who I am. What do I do? I'll go back and look at the door. Look, it's still there. I'm more than a little bit scared. You've heard of the term fear of the Lord? I know what that means. I'll go and wake Francois. I want someone to share the pain. Go and wake Francois. I'll go back um, third time. And uh, I'm scared. I go, no, not Francois. I go back to the door and then I hear this voice. Are you ready yet? Needless to say, I didn't sleep for the rest of the night. I'm very, very much awake. Next morning I get out for breakfast. Gary's there. We're meant to start at nine o'clock. It's 20 to nine. No one else is around. Gary's there. I told Gary what had happened. And he said, you know that was Bob Jones's angel, don't you? I said, who has the keys to the treasury of heaven? You know, that was Bob's angel. I go, no, I didn't know what a Bob Jones was then. But. And then Mike Ultrington comes down. And so now there's me, Gary, and Mike. And Mike sits down, says to Gary, how'd you sleep? Gary said, yeah, in his Welsh accent. It was really good. And he looked at me and he said, how'd you Oh, never mind. He said, I had this dream last night about you. He said that you got a visitation from an angel and he's described this whole story to me about what happened. And Mike says, I've got a question for you. Why didn't you open the door? <laughs> right. Because I was scared. So I... <laughs> I ring... Pete McHugh, 
and I'd tell him the story because I'm trying to figure out what was happening. And Pete goes, wow, that's really interesting. I've got a question for you. Why didn't you open the door? <laughs> what? So I ring Jane and tell her and she says, honey, that's amazing. Why didn't you open the door? <laughs> you guys weren't there. You didn't quite understand what this was like. Like this was, now I've got to ask you a question. How many of you know that angels don't need the door opened? They can just walk straight through it, right? But Jesus is a gentleman. He takes you on a journey. And he said, are you ready yet? And I guess I'm asking each of you, Are you ready yet? Are you ready to do the thing that God is asking you to do? Are you ready to step into that place of the supernatural? To do greater things? Greater things than Jesus did? Are you ready yet to share your faith with others that you would be the hope the joy in the world. Are you ready yet to be the miracle that someone else is praying for? Are you ready to make a difference in someone else's life? Remember, we're meant to be the rebuilders. We're the ones that are meant to rebuild the cities. We're the ones that are meant to put things back together. We're the ones that Jesus has called. And by you being the hope and the light in this world and speaking for what is good and what is great, and by you stepping out and doing greater things, we will change the world. Yeah. We will do what Jesus has asked us to do. Yeah. A couple of things I'd like to do. Just, I'd like, actually, can everybody just stand? I'd like to pray for you, but also, it's, I've kept hearing this word whilst I'm talking, the name Dearborn. Does anybody hear Dearborn? No? Maiden name or I'm, I'm not going to push anything that was just a name that had come. Dearborn. No, that's okay. Take whatever position you're comfortable, standing, lifting your hands, whatever, kneeling, lying on the floor, singing, dancing, doesn't matter. I was going to say, could we have somebody on keys, but there wasn't anyone tonight, so I'll use these. Um, 
Heavenly Father, we love and adore you. Jesus, we worship you, celebrate you. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for being in our midst. Father, we talked about unlocking. And Lord, I ask that you would use the keys that you have given me to unlock in people's worlds today things that need to be unlocked, things that need to be touched, things that need to be shifted. Father, I don't know what they are, but you do, because you know it all. Father, I ask that each person here today receives fresh revelation of the greater works they're meant to do. Lord, that you would find a way to show them that you know today, tomorrow, next week, Father, that that intensity would continue to grow. It would not dissipate. There would be more and more and more that would come through that. Father, that you would... Oh. <laughs> you would connect with people. People here today, Father. You would connect and show them your love for them, of why you need them. Father, why you choose to partner with us and you choose to work alongside. Father, I thank you for the greater things, the signs, wonders, miracles that will follow those that believe. I thank you, Father, for the changes that are happening right now in people's lives, Father. I thank you for the increase in boldness, Father, that they say, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to live differently. I'm going to do greater things in Jesus. Father, I thank you for the hope they are giving for not only this nation, for, for the state of the Lord, but for this nation and to go into the world. Father, I thank you for the call that you're putting on people's lives today as we talk. I thank you, Father, that there is liberty in your word. You know, freedom is not enough, but there is liberty in what you've given. Father, we thank you for what you are putting on all your people. Father, we thank you for the joy. I even now I feel, I feel the Lord also say there are some in the room that may not know the Jesus that we're talking about, the Saviour of our soul, the one who was sent down to earth to live as a man and to die again. There are some people who may not yet know him. I was 27 when I found him, when he found me. And there are some that might have walked away from Jesus and that relationship isn't what they'd really like it to be. And they wanted a fresh touch of Jesus in their world. If that's you today, I'd ask, just come forward. Just come to the front and let us pray with you, for you. It's a journey many of us have been on in the past. I know it's a journey that changed my life, changed Jane's life and our family's lives. But if that's you today, either you don't know Jesus or you want to come back to Jesus, there's no judgment. It's a place of love. It's a place of forgiveness. It's a place of great joy. If that's you, come forward. In a few minutes, we're going to have some ministry time for those that would like to see some more unlocking in their, their life. I'm going to call you and come, come forward. We will pray for you. We'll spend some time. I understand that some of you may need to go, may need to get ready for lunch or family or whatever. But I think God's doing something special right now. Actually, I know God's doing something special right now. There's a weight of his presence in this room. There is a weight of what he wants to do. There is a weight of restoration right now. And that second key, the restoration and reconciliation. He's healing hearts. Whew. He's healing hearts. He's healing hurts. You may have been offended by somebody. And God's lifting that off you right now. He's saying, it doesn't matter. I'm going to give you grace to forgive. You know, when you forgive somebody, 
it's an opening of blessing into their world. Wow. God's doing stuff right now. More. <laughs> More. Ah, Jesus. More Jesus. I've seen people like Will Hart and he'll go and pray and bodies are flying everywhere and there's all sorts of stuff happening. I said, oh, God, can I have that? I just wanted to have fun. Um, And God said, no, when you pray for people, you're going to connect them with the Father. He said, there'll be tears, it'll get messy. But there's going to be a healing in people's world as you pray for them. There's going to be a change in their world because you're going to connect them directly to the Father. Jesus was there to introduce us to the Father because the Father wants relationship with us. But if you'd like a fresh touch from God today, why don't you come out to the front and I'll get Jane to come and join me as well. We'll pray for you, with you. If you'd like to receive some prayer, feel free to come and join us. And it's also okay for you to stay in your seat and receive there too, because God's bigger than all of this. God is bigger than all of this. Hmm. Marty, Karen, thank you for the opportunity of being able to share.